Welcome to BSD Talk number 58. It's Monday, July 31, 2006. In the news, the Open Darwin website is shutting down. Open Darwin is a version of BSD. And also, in the news, there is a $1,000 prize for anyone who ports the Monowall project to the sixth series of FreeBSD. Now, on to the interview. So today we're speaking with Jason Thaxter, and you're from GoMoose. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. And could you describe, I guess, first of all, what does GOMUS stand for? GOMUS stands for the Gulf of Maine Ocean Observing System. We are one of some other ocean observing systems around the country. We're essentially the pilot program for one. And uh, it's essentially a system of regional ocean observing systems that are in the long run intended to be federated as a way of... Uh, promoting ocean observing in ways that are sensitive to the various uh, needs for each region. Up here in Maine, we tend to be concerned about things like fish stocks and things that affect fishing, whereas down south, they're much more concerned with things like inundation models and uh, water levels and uh, storm surges and things like that. So we've been in existence since 2001. We had there about 2000, and uh, I was actually the aside from our CEO and the secretary, the first permanent employee. Uh, so I do pretty much everything touching computers in this organization. So when you say you observe the ocean, what does that involve? We have the flagship part of our program is the buoy program, which uh, has 10 or so buoys up and down the uh, Gulf of Maine, which extends from Cape Cod up to Nova Scotia. And what a lot of people don't know until they look at a map of the right scale and size is that it really is a gulf. It uh, has a you know, defined uh, entrance and exit, and you can see currents going in and out. And uh, we have things on our buoys that measure atmospheric conditions, like wind speed and direction, temperature, atmospheric pressure. We do what uh, NOAA for instance, in the uh, National Buoy Data Center and NOAA's buoys do not do, which is uh, measure a lot of things under the water, and that includes salinity, currents, water temperatures, and we do some optical measurements as well, which serve as a good proxy for what kind of biologic activity is going on in the ocean. For instance, by measuring certain wavelengths, you can tell how much chlorophyll there is in the water, and uh, that has a huge effect on the biological populations in the ocean. It's essentially a good proxy measure for primary production. So it can serve to create uh, predictions about things like fish stocks and what will happen. And of course, we also have uh, wave sensors, which are very useful for mariners and even surfers. Um, we do have them here <laughs> who uh, like to know what's going on uh, with the waves out there. What's the furthest off the coast you monitor? I'd say probably Buoy M, which is a couple hundred miles off the coast. It's in the Jordan Basin, which is the deepest part of the Gulf of Maine. But we also do some uh, measurements with a system called CODAR, which is uh, still somewhat experimental. 
but it uses a microwave radar to essentially measure ocean currents. Uh, you need two stations separated by a good angle and hundreds of miles, but they can take uh, measurements of the direction and velocity of the you know sea surface currents, and you know essentially from one station you get a vector. You add a second station and you can measure the currents. So and those go out hundreds of miles, depending on somewhat on uh, atmospheric conditions. So with these buoys hundreds of miles away or many miles away, how do you collect this data? There's basically two systems. There is uh, a cell phone-based system and a uh, satellite-based system. The cell phone is our primary system, but it's much less reliable in the very rugged winter conditions we get. So uh, we have backup systems through satellites as well. Uh, we essentially get to piggyback on the national infrastructure a bit. So those serve as backup systems. And then what do you do with the data once you collect it? Initially, the data goes to a computer at the University of Maine, uh, which is where the buoy program is operated, in Orno, uh, not very close to the ocean. And the data is assembled there, uh, decoded, calculated in some cases from engineering units into geophysical measurements, checked for quality control, and assembled into files. We get the files here and do all kinds of things with them, but mostly um, make it available on the web in a variety of different formats. Uh, I've been on the website and it looks like there's some nice pictures. You can see pictures of the buoys, click on them, get the current readings, well maybe not current, but the last readings mm -hmm. uh, off of those buoys. So you've got some web technology going on here. You've got some buoy technology going on. Are you using any specialized systems or operating systems in order to achieve these? The buoy systems are somewhat specialized. They have a logging system that connects to a Windows computer, but after that it's pretty much all Unix-based. The University of Maine computers run Linux and uh, MATLAB to do a lot of their processing, but once it gets to our side, we have you know production systems, database systems, development systems, and those are all running FreeBSD. So FreeBSD is what's running uh, the websites and the, the mapping. Yep. yep, running the websites and the things behind the websites, such as the database servers, and even our mail server, of course. Hmm. And perhaps your desktops. And and my desktop. I've been using FreeBSD as my desktop system since about 1998, and uh, helps keep me a little bit in touch with what's going on with the uh, operating system on a sort of day-to-day -day basis, as well as gives me a place that I can uh, do all kinds of inadvisable upgrades uh, without disturbing anybody's work. <laughs> Are you involved in the decision to use FreeBSD on your systems here? Yeah, I, I, I lobbied for FreeBSD for a while. When we first started, we were using Red Hat Linux, but I've been using FreeBSD for for a few years for my own personal use and um, for projects and websites I ran as a contractor and uh, web developer. And after going sort of off the uh, RPM reservation one too many times, <laughs> I finally uh, convinced the uh, management here that I would spend less time fiddling with the systems if uh, I could uh, use FreeBSD. I'd spend less time um, doing ad hoc upgrades compiling software by hand, and in truth that has turned out to be true. It's been a uh, decision that we've never gone 
back and looked at again. It's pretty much a given thing at this point. And are you able to tell me the general size of the systems, capabilities, memory, you know, what size monstrosities do we have here? Sure. Nothing too monstrous, actually. Most of our systems are you know, fairly small, and you can really do a website that is able to serve a really large amount of, of uh, data and requests with fairly modest systems these days. So we have a, a variety. We have some machines that are hosted elsewhere at a uh, large national hosting facility, and we have some that we run right here. And we pretty much go for, you know, whatever's the fastest when we uh, start off. We do have some multiprocessor machines for um, our in-house databases and things like that. But nothing we have has more than, you know, a couple hundred gigs of, of disk space or, you know, a gig or two of RAM. And when optimized properly, uh, websites can run very robustly on that. Looking at your back-end technology, there's FreeBSD, but obviously mm -hmm. stuff sitting on top of FreeBSD, like yep. a database server mm -hmm. and something that's pushing out your maps. Yep. What are you using there? We use Postgres for our database, and one of the reasons we use it is a module written for Postgres called PostGIS, P-O-S-T-G-I-S, and that gives Postgres um, spatial imaging capabilities and querying capabilities that you just really can't find anywhere else. I mean, Oracle does have spatial systems, but that's obviously uh, very expensive. And PostGIS works very nicely with a uh, open source mapping technology that we use called MapServer. It was originally developed at the University of Minnesota Forestry Program and is now very popular among uh, people doing online mapping stuff and working in any uh, significant way with open source software. And uh, so we've been um, leveraging that combination uh, very strongly. Uh, we still have other maps that come from you know, university programs and things that aren't quite production ready in the same way, but we've also increasingly started uh, leveraging map service abilities to do remote serving of maps. So we can take a website that runs here use data coming from our database, but then add in other layers of maps that show things like sea surface temperature that may come from uh, universities or research programs uh, all over the country. So uh, the map server software allows you to compile that on the fly. So in that way, you can get access to a lot more data than what any one organization could do on its own. How much was the no-cost side of this? important to the program, or was it mostly the technical merits? A lot of it was the technical merits to begin with. As time has gone on, and uh, with the current situation in the U.S. Congress and how that affects federal funding, the cost has become to be a real hidden advantage um, in that we have almost no software costs at all. We've on occasion paid for features uh, in the software that we want, and that's part of what you get with open source, but on the other hand, we got the features we wanted, uh, so that helps too. But and basically, um, as a pilot program for a national uh, ocean observing system, we rely a lot on uh, congressional funding and uh, funding that comes through federal agencies like NOAA, and that has gotten tighter in the past couple of years with the way uh, federal budget priorities have been thrown into the air. 
So we have had difficulty finding the funding for our buoy program. So it's a good thing in, in, in terms of the uh, information technology side of things, we're able to keep our costs so low because that means that when we get funds for specific projects, uh, that enables us to be, to be essentially self-hosting and in fact make sure that the money does go to the uh, buoy side of the program and that you know, funds are available. I think the only real money I've spent on software since I got here was, you know, for the uh, regular FreeBSD subscription. And, uh, you know, our software stack up from there is pretty much all open source. It's Postgres, Apache, some Java and PHP, lots of Perl, Mason, and of course MapServer. And we've been able to do just about everything we need with that. So you said you're a pilot program? That's correct. Does that mean that if other people wish to replicate what you're doing, that there's a chance that they'll take your stack and try and emulate that elsewhere? That's correct. And in fact, we've you know tried to work for that reason to, to define what the um, technology problems are for an organization like us. One of the issues with ocean observing is that it's so much sort of a cottage industry that there tend to be very few standards with the data starting out. What we've, you know, essentially demonstrated is that when you get it into a Postgres database with PostGIS and running MapServer, then you can start to share that information with other organizations and make it available to them. And in terms of being a federated system, that's an extremely important uh, property. And we've started to do a lot of other things with service-oriented architectures and uh, web services, which basically means demonstrating that you can do some of these things in an interoperable way with, you know, a widely spread and uh, somewhat um, various groups of organizations. And, you know, using open source software, one of the nice things is you can demonstrate hey, here's how you can do this, and it's not going to cost you anything either. And if people want to add on other things like proprietary uh, Java for SOAP services, they certainly can do it. But the value of being able to demonstrate doing something in an open source way is, is very high when it comes to trying to get a lot of organizations uh, working together and to try to get them to be seen working together so that in the longer run, this model of federated systems will be funded permanently as part of the national science infrastructure. Getting uh, large numbers of people whose interests are very different to work together in that way is very important because if a national system is built as one, it will almost invariably ignore some or most of the needs of individual regions. So we've, we've leveraged the stack all the way up very strongly in terms of showing that these organizations can work together this way. I was hope more of them use FreeBSD in the process. I would be very happy if they did. It's um, one of the things I've never had to worry about is whether my system is up and running. In the five years that I've been here, I think the only time we've ever had any kind of an issue was, was just a, uh, you know, it was a hardware failure, disk failure. And uh, to me, that's the nice thing because not just our funds are increasingly tight, but our time as well. So it's nice for me if I can uh, leave the system for a few months without really giving it any attention whatsoever and have confidence that 
it's going to stay up and running and that it's secure, uh, that I don't have to go back and upgrade too many things. And usually there's a very limited set of things that you know we've ever had to worry about. So it's been very successful for us. Uh, and you know, as we get some of these uh, systems of data flow going between all these different organizations, you do see things go. You know, especially as they're in development, of course, you do see things go up and down and start and stop all the time. And uh, I, I'd be very happy if um, more of them noticed that our systems just work. Hey, I see behind me on the shelf, you've got the CDs for FreeBSD one way back. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like you could be running any version. <laughs> so one question, of course, is what version are you running on your systems? We're pretty much all at, at six right now. We did have on some of our remote systems, uh, uh, 4.11 or 4.10 or even 4.8 running for a long time and uh, pretty much made the jump straight from 4 to 6, which I think has been, you know, one we're happy with in terms of stability. We did take some of our in-house machines, which are a little bit easier to upgrade, and uh, run them through the 5 series. And at this point, you know, I'm, I'm very happy running running 6. We've really actually been able to leverage some of the uh, new features like the uh, geom disk stuff for doing things like uh, disk mirroring and striping that just again helps us add extra performance and extra certainty into our systems with uh, very little cost and i just did my first striped disk set for the uh, our database server the other day and i was really pleased at how easy it was and how well it works on your desktop system, you're also running the 6 Series. Yep. Looks like KDE is the yes. desktop you're using. Yes. And when you develop, mm -hmm. are you in Emacs or are you in I'm, K-Rite? Or? I'm, pretty much a, I'm pretty much from the uh, VI school, so yeah. I use VI improved and generally run through uh, SSH sessions and keep stuff up with screen because you never do know when you're going to get cut off. Mm -hmm. Pretty happy that way. My my ID is pretty much all tab and reload. <laughs> and there's some other people in the office space. I didn't get a chance mm -hmm. to peek at their monitors. Mm -hmm. um, have you infected other people with the BSD bug, or uh, you just mm -hmm. letting them go their way? I, I pretty much let them go their way. The less time I spend touching their systems, the happier I am. Uh, which is partially um, because most of them are Windows systems and. One of the reasons I did switch over many years ago to uh, using FreeBSD as my main desktop system is that uh, there are sometimes things it can't do. You know, like Flash, for instance, has been in and out of my web browsers for the past few years. But there's never anything it does that I didn't ask it to do. And that's uh, a really high value for uh, me in terms of uh, not wasting my time tracking down strange problems. We did have one user who... Uh, had a really giant Outlook PST file bomb out on him recently when it hit around two gigs. The repair tools didn't work, and so I'm just hoping to get him moved over to Thunderbird because uh, yeah. you know it's it, it looks the same across different platforms. It's easy for me to test out, and you know I know it works. And you know these days, especially with a with an organization where we have people who are in and out a lot, you pretty much have to be running a SMTP auth and secure. Pop and IMAP. So the less time, again, the less time I spend figuring out uh, software that may not exhibit any any rational behavior in the end, the happier I am. But I'm pretty much a hands-off kind of guy. 
And what about at home? Are you also running everything in the house on FreeBSD? Uh, I have my little old Pentium 450 in the basement that is sort of my private development server where I try out new things and um, it collects my mail so I can read it from anywhere. And then we do have uh, one Mac in the house. Um, that's pretty much all we run these days. We have some older PCs, but you know, if I re revived them for anything, they'd be running FreeBSD and doing interesting little tasks that I can uh, find to come up with. Or uh, one of the things I'd like to play around with uh, soon is uh, Carp. It's just, I think, a good example of you know, also why I run FreeBSD so much. It, the uh, address takeover kind of failover systems. You know, there are a lot of different systems for doing that for a while, and a lot of them were um, had various levels of capabilities and were targeted towards various environments. And it took a while, it seemed to me, for one to get done right. But when it's done right, it's just there in the base system, and you don't have to, you know, patch your kernel or do anything. It, it just works. So that's, that's the next thing I'd like to play around with, because I try to spend so much of my time on development, I don't have a lot of time to play with the systems. And if I'm away from the office or going on vacation or something, I really like to be certain that things are going to stay up and running, even when I'm not looking at them. All right, well, I don't know if there's any other topics you want to cover today. No, I would just say that KDE has a couple things that have really saved my life in recent years, uh, you know, managing a bunch of servers, and I still do some freelance uh, sysadmin work for uh, a nonprofit, and freelance in the sense that I do it for free. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the uh, KDE wallet, as a place for storing passwords, has made my life a lot easier and more secure over the past couple of years, and uh, I'm trying to teach my family who do run Macs to do this same thing with their keychain and put your social security number and your credit card numbers in there. <laughs> keep it safe because uh, you never know when something gets lost or stolen. Um, it's good to keep your most personal data secure. All right, well, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today and good luck with the GoMoose project. Thank you. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com Dot com, or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Also, I'd like to thank again the OpenBSD people for letting me use their music for my opening theme song. This has been BSD Talk number 58. Thank you for listening.